Welcome to today's Stats and Short Stories episode. I'm John Baylor from the Department of Statistics at Miami University, and I'm joined by my colleagues Rosemary Pennington and Richard Campbell from the Department of Media, Journalism, and Film. We're delighted to have joining us today Shaoli Meng. Uh, Meng is the Whipple VN Jones Professor of Statistics at Harvard University and also the Editor-in-Chief of the recently launched Harvard Data Science Review. Shaoli, thank you so much for being here. You're very welcome, and it's really a great pleasure to be here. Oh, indeed, it's a great pleasure to have you join us. I'd, I'd like to talk to you a little bit about data. In particular, you, you like to, to talk about data in terms of multiples, uh, multi-resolution, multi-source, and multi-phase. Could you talk a little bit about that? Absolutely. And uh, the, this, this sort of notion of these three multiples were, were really formulated during the time that I was asked to write an article for the uh, COPS, you know, 50th anniversary volume uh, in terms of what they call the past, uh, present, and the future of statistics. And uh, what I had in mind is to really motivate the future talents to uh, look into these statistical problems where there's absolutely no solution there because they are so hard. The notion there is I want to really uh, portray that the statistics is not just useful, but it actually provides this, this incredibly intellectual challenging problems. So these three multi uh, uh, frame, frameworks, they're really because of the complex, the the, the sort of uh, problems out there. Let me start with the multi-resolution. And the idea here is that you will be analyzing data with different kind of resolutions. Here, I'm literally using the phrase similar to you will be using for a camera because you know the that when you look at more detail that's high resolution and when you look at uh, from a sort of uh, you know 3000 uh, you know feet away that's a, that's a sort of a lower resolution and the the problem motivated me to think about that is really this whole notion of seeking statistical evidence for individualized medicine, individualized mm. treatment. And that, in some sense, is the highest resolution because we want to uh, make prediction for each individual. But if you think about the data never have that kind of final resolution. In fact, you cannot really uh, test the drug on someone before you say it's effective for this person. So when I start working on that thing, I realized that uh, the notion of resolution is absolutely crucial because typically we will stay with some kind of low resolution then say, oh, that's good enough for the high, re high resolution pr uh, pre uh, prediction. So that's one, uh, and that's just one example. There are many, many examples essentially is you don't have the data at the, at the refined level. You only have the more aggregate level, but you need to make prediction or inference for something in a much refined uh, level. So, so that's the way to formulate this problem. There's no clear answer to it, but you know there are, there are many wrong answers on how to handle the problem. The multi-source one is actually really quite easy because these days, as you know, because we have so many different data sets that uh, there are some of them are collected for statistical purpose. Others really are collected not for statistical analysis, but really required by law or by other uh, by other uh, uh, requirement, uh, you know, there are a lot of administrative data, there are a lot of census data, there are a lot of, uh, you know, tax data. And uh, the U.S. government, for example, itself is trying to think about uh, census, census Bureau particularly, think about how do we can 
integrate data from very diff different sources. And the challenge there uh, goes beyond the typical statistical way of combining the data sets is these data coming from come with different, very different qualities. Hmm. The traditional way, uh, way of combining data is because worry about their size, worry about their variance. You do some kind of inverse, you know, proportional to, uh, to to the variance. But those things no longer are the right thing to do when you have one data actually is quite biased because they were not representative, hmm. but they are probably in you know, a large percentage. So they do carry some information. So the multi-source one is to think about how do you combine different sources data, and then there you really have to emphasize the issue of data quality, not just the data quantity. And the, the last one, uh, multi-phase, is another one because of the way now the data typically collected by one team, processed by another, analyzing by a third team, and maybe even interpreted by, by another team. Mm -hmm. So you really have these uh, phases uh, going through uh, this entire process from the conception of the idea of collect some data to how the data eventually turn into uh, into an action. The emphasis here is not just their multiple stage, but all stages may or may not be compatible with each other because they they do not have access to uh, what previous stage you know have done. They may only have the output. That actually itself posed some really challenging statistical mathematical question because very briefly there's not a single in all encompassing model can incorporate all these all these faces even in series so it creates what I call the kind of what I the theory what I uh, label it called uncongeniality uh, uh, very interesting uh, 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 you know mathematics and the statistics that uh, very challenging but that's a reality so that's sort of uh, why I, I put together these three kind of multi-problems. Listening to you talk about this reminds me of an answer you gave in an interview, I think it was to Statistics Views, about, uh, you talked about your mentor, and one of the very first things you said was that, and I think you were sort of comparing your training in China versus your training in the United States, mm -hmm. you said that the most important thing was that you learned from this mentor, and it was the first thing you said was to think intuitively. Yeah. And uh, can you talk just a, just a minute about, about that and what that yes, means yes. to you? Yeah, no, that's that's absolutely important because you know the, when I came to United States, I was thinking mostly mathematically. That's because I was trained trained in pure mathematics, think logically. Mm -hmm. Everything is start from a set of assumption. Then there is one and only one logic conclusion can follow from it, and that's the that's the beauty of mathematics. But that's also the restriction of mm -hmm. mathematics. Thinking intuitively really involves that understanding something that without doing the kind of mathematics, but you can both have a a sense where the general picture is, but also understand that whatever the thing you come up with, probably there's a more nuanced angle to it. And that took me a really a, a, a long while, and I, I and I thank really Harvard and all my advisors, you know, <laughs> professor, including my you know peer uh, uh, um, colleagues and the students, fellow students, that really put me in this environment that I was constantly pushed to a corner thinking, okay, now now I don't know how to think because there's no unique answer. <laughs> and, 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 and now I don't know where to go because, you know, I saw one problem, another problem showed up, you know, showed up. And eventually that just to make, just to make myself feel comfortable, to feel comfortable in a sense saying, you know, 
this problem does not have a solution. And that is why we need to work on And that is the beauty of mm -hmm. this kind of problem. Took me a long while. It took me a while to feel comfortable instead of being agitated by, by <laughs> and, uh, and, and literally. But now, now it's become, it's not just even fun, comfortable. Now I loved it. Now, mm -hmm. you know, probably for anyone who have heard me give talks, I tend to go to these kind of counter challenge audience say, look, you should think intuitively, you know, and, uh, and, uh, but my intuition self has been really you know, evolving. And of course the other great thing about it, beauty intuition, it's sort of a lifelong, you know, task. You, yes. you'll be, you'll be surprised by how something you think is so intuitive later you realize, oh, holy cow, that's actually not. <laughs> <laughs> well, Shali, that's, that's brilliant. It, and I'm afraid, and I, it hates, I hate to say this, I'm afraid that's all the time we have for this episode of Stats and Short Stories. So, Shali, thank you for being here, and, and best wishes on the launch of the Harvard Data Science Review. It's a, it's a really interesting and engaging effort, and we're excited to see the, what, what's produced by it. Well, thank you very much for the opportunity. And my wish, you know, you will be doing so well with the stat and the short story, but someday you will create a stat and a long story. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we, we will aspire to that, shall we? Yeah. So Stats and Stories is a partnership between Miami University's Departments of Statistics and Media Journalism and Film and the American Statistical Association. You can follow us on Twitter, Apple Podcasts, or other places where you can find podcasts. If you'd like to share your thoughts on our program, send your email to statsandstories at miamioh.edu and check us out at statsandstories.net. Be sure to listen for future editions of Stats and Stories where we discuss the statistics behind the stories and the stories behind the statistics.